Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard. Along with me today is Scott Reynolds to talk about the draft, the upcoming draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and whether this team will add another weapon to the Arsenal, Scott. Pretty exciting show whenever we get to talk offensive skill players and the Bucs. Yeah, we go from talking with Scotty Miller, wide receiver from the Buccaneers, last night at the Mill. Thanks for watching that show. Uh, already a, a, a big viewership for that, and that was fun, right? Hearing yeah. from an actual Buccaneer wide receiver. So let's talk about some guys that might join him today. Mm-hmm. As crazy as it sounds, remember, John, this is the year the Bucs can draft anybody they want to because they're drafting for want rather than need. If they want to add another wide receiver, an explosive playmaker, they can do so. Yep. Whether they re-sign Antonio Brown or not, it doesn't matter because this team, you can always like replace a Justin Watson, a Jadon Mickens at the end of the roster with this rookie and then watch this rookie go up the ranks through the years, through the depth right. chart. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited. Also at the tight end position, John, the Tampa Bay position is as stacked as you're going to find at tight end as you will across yeah. the league. And Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, it's a nice one-two punch. What do they have in common? They're only under contract through 2021. Cam Brait will turn 30 July 3rd. Happy early birthday, Cam. Um, but the problem is, is he's making over $6 million. That's a little pricey mm-hmm. for a third-string tight end. So there's no guarantee that any of those tight ends, John, will be on the roster uh, come next year. So right. they could be in the market for another tight end to, again, start on the depth chart low, but then move up the ranks yeah. as, uh, as the years progress. Yeah, definitely possible. But before we talk about any of that, we're going to talk about Jason Light and his press conference from yesterday and some of the takeaways we have from that a little bit. Just touch on some things yesterday because we were out at the mill and we were talking to Scotty Miller. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure we touch on that and we're able to go over all the different things uh, that Jason had to say. But before we do any of that, Scott, we've got to give a shout out, as we always do, to our friends over at Celsius. John, the, our great friends at Celsius, uh, and again, I have it, I've had the, the cream sickle today. You know, I've got the wild beverage. berry. Oh, our friends man. over at Celsius were out at the oh, mill last night, right. and they, Gosh. they remembered that I loved it. And so Matt had a yep. bunch in his car, and he gave them to me, and I am Damn loving it. Damn it. Should have got some from Matt, because <laughs> that's a hard-to-find flavor. And, it's true. Uh, I might have to go on uh, on pewterreport.com, John, to click on those Celsius banners, take me to Amazon, where I can buy some of that wild berry. Yep. In bulk and save money. It gets shipped right to the house. It's awful convenient. But, you know, John, the cool thing about Celsius is not just the fact that that they've got this great, awesome energy drink that doesn't have any crash because there's no sugar in it. Uh, the great thing about it is they've got a special promo, very similar to the promo that, that we ran uh, a couple of months ago. And it, it's a contest. Right. You can win an autographed Scotty Miller football and a one-month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. Wow. Now there's going to be 10 winners, but only one grand prize winner. The other winners, you're going to get the one month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor, but the grand prize winner is going to get both the autographed Scotty Miller football. You can see him right there autographing it. 
at the mill last night. Uh, in addition to your favorite flavor of Celsius, here's how to enter to win. This will take literally about 30 seconds of your time, people, and uh, and go ahead and do it. Subscribe to Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Boom, easy. Follow Celsius Official on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Again, super easy. Follow Scotty Miller. That's at MillerTime, three underscores, and then his number 10 on Twitter or Instagram. Then once you do those, screenshot those image proofs of your subscription to Pewter Report on YouTube and those social media follows of social or of uh, Celsius Official and Scotty Miller, and then submit them to Celsius.com backslash Pewter. That's it. Right. And if you all go you to that do, Celsius.com backslash pewter, it'll take you it. right to like a cool little format that has all this stuff like real easy. You fill it out quick, boom, boom, you're done. It only takes a minute, even though it seems like a couple steps yeah. there. The way they've laid it out on their site, uh, that if you follow that backslash pewter address, it's real simple, real easy. It's great stuff. So another great promotion by Celsius. Obviously, Scotty Miller, big Celsius drinkers. He was yeah. telling us on the show, giving us his favorite flavors, flavors yesterday. So make sure you go back and listen to that. I don't know if you've been on social media much today, Scott, but I have been getting called out by people on social media, and Long Lost Glazer wants to bring it to the chat. I have to call out John for standing on his tippy toes for the Peter Report group photo with Scotty. Not a good look, John. This is yeah. especially humorous to me because I am 6'3", standing flat on say, my Listen, feet. Shorty. Um... <laughs> so I don't really need the extra height, but in the picture, I really felt like you and Scotty, were, who are obviously shorter than me, were yeah. kind of blocking me a little bit. So I wanted to make sure I was clear of your, and, and so I did stand on my tiptoes. And of course, social media found the photo, found my tiptoes. And there are many yeah. zoomed in pictures of my shoes um, yeah. on social media right now, calling Just me out for that. couldn't be so. satisfied with 6'3", John. Had to get to 6'4", okay. didn't you, right? Yeah, that's right. Trying to get 6'4", yeah. 6'5", you know. I'm six uh, feet tall with shoes on and, yeah. um, and standing straight up. I mean, I'm really 5'11 and three quarters, but um, I, I, I round up. Oh, you got to round up. up. Yeah, you got to round up. Yeah, yeah. Six, two, and seven, eight. Yeah, so there you go. So I yeah. know what you mean. All right. So Jason Light yesterday, Scott, he he said a lot of things. Jason Light's always an insightful. Whenever we get to talk to him, I always like it because not that he gives us too much or is irresponsible with what he says, but he will literally say stuff. Yeah. Like he was honest about this draft class not being an amazing class in his opinion, like especially on the defensive side. He said it's you know more tilted to the offensive <clears> side in his opinion. Doesn't mean yeah. there won't be any defensive prospects he likes, but it, it definitely feels like he is of the opinion that this class is an offensive heavy class. And I wonder if that means something for the first round pick where the cream of the crop might still be there. Maybe. Um, in, in my mind, from, from the, the limited intel we've gathered, I can see the Buccaneers doing one of three things with the 32nd pick. Yeah, mm, this will be good. I think they're going to stay at 32 because I think the team does see some value in that fifth-year option. And if you trade back, you're acquiring more picks later in the draft. And I just don't think that this team wants to stockpile picks this year. Mm. Now, if it's one of those things where a team calls and says, hey, if you move back into the second round, take our second round pick, you know, we'll give you a, a next year's first rounder or something like that, then you got to do it. It's not going to happen, though, because no player is worth the 32nd overall pick that's going to amount to a first round pick next year and a mm -hmm. second round pick this year. So I don't see that happening necessarily unless they get uh, a second round pick this year and then a second round pick the next year, unless it's really worth Jason Light's while to move back. And then it depends on how far. So yep. I can see I can see outside linebacker getting an, an edge rusher, someone to get into that mix because 
I don't have a, a tremendous amount of confidence that Anthony Nelson is going to be, uh, you know, anything more than a poor man's Carl Nassib in terms of, of sack production. What I mean, he's, by your, that? he's your fourth guy. He's your special teamer, yeah. run stuffer. He can do the bare right. minimum if he has to start, but he's never yeah. going to be an impact. But right player. now, he's number three, John, and that's that's not good enough. Right. Cam Gill, you know, he's got a little bit of juice. Special teamer had half a sack in the Super Bowl, but still so much of an unknown. And you know, these these rookies last year, with the exception of Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr., they really missed out on having that preseason to really develop and get all the reps that they need to really ascend in the offense or defense. So I think outside linebacker, I think running back still, and really what I mean by running back is, is if there's a a hope and a prayer that either Travis Etienne or Najee Harris falls to to number 32, then I think that player's in play. And then really, if it's not those two guys, then how much do the Buccaneers like Javante Williams, who's the third running back in in this draft class? And kind of a fringe late first round, early second round guy. I just hate to see him go to the Falcons in the top of the second round because I, I think they need a running back, and and I, I would not want to face this guy twice a year. The Falcons adding Kyle Pitts at four and Javante Williams at in the top of the second to go with that's, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, Matt Ryan, yep. and an offensive line that'll be full of first rounders. They have on yeah. the team for sure. But yeah, you better yeah. score a bunch of points when you play the Falcons because they're going to score a bunch of points right. with that type of. Thankfully, their defense rate. is going to be rough no matter what yeah. they do in this draft, probably. But. Yeah, they need to draft defense, but watch them draft offense like right. that. But the other thing is, is I can see uh, interior offensive line, right? If, um, um, and John, you know, you and I were actually talking about this, we're on the same wavelength. If there's a player that the Buccaneers are going to trade up for, mm-hmm. and they're not going to go crazy, they're not going to jump up into the top 10 or into the top 15, but Tevin Jenkins, see, it's not Garrett. just you and I, John. It's Garrett, Garrett all Washington, too. It. He's all over it. <laughs> Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle, who can really play guard, too, and I think be a, a fantastic guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched him in Oklahoma State. The guy is a people mover. You know, started watching Chuba Hubbard back in 2019. And, of course, when you watch in the running back, you got to watch offensive line because – Somebody up front's doing something, you know, right? To have those guys and like, I got to go back and I got to watch North Carolina footage, yeah, uh, for next year's draft because to have two thousand yard rushers, there's got to be some people movers up front in North Carolina that I need to zoom in on. But Tevin Jenkins is a guy I think they can move up for, but offensive, the interior offensive line. We had Landon Dickerson in our last mock, John, at, at the mm-hmm. number thirty two spot. I think he's still in play. Yep. And if if uh, if you have a guy that slips a little bit and if Jenkins gets the 25 or so, I could see the Bucks maybe make a move up to get him. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'd be surprised. Running back, interior line, I think one right. of those three positions will be the Bucks pick. I agree with you on edge and, and offensive line. I, I don't know that I see with running back, but I do hear your argument for it. I don't know. I'm all over the place on that one. I, and I I also think strongly that Naj- Najee Harris and Travis Etienne will be off the board. I think they're going to be gone too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think and, that. And, and, and then it's Javante Williams. And how much yeah. do you like Javante if you're the Buccaneers compared to the other players still on the board? You know, right. I think that's what it comes down to. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, the Tevin Jenkins thing's interesting, and Garrett brings it up obviously here too, but uh, I – I just don't think he's going to be there at 20, let alone, I, I agree. Let alone 25. He's really you know? good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's really good, and I know there's a number of teams in the teens that like yeah. him. So, Well, and you know you know what's funny, John, is, is I forgot who wrote it on Twitter, and I'm not going to bash him. I'm not going to name him. But you always hear about about these, um, you know, from from the draftings, from the national guys mm-hmm. that say, you know, he's, he's uh, rising up the board. You know, he's a late rise. No, he's been there. Yeah. It's just the media guys are, that are finding out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, right, which is these yeah. NFL teams, they've known, they've known, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. There really isn't many late risers. Right. If anything, uh, there's late fallers because of medicals, because of character right. uh, issues from Zoom, things like that. I mean, right. um, I, I don't believe in, in the late riser theory at all. Right. Now, I, I completely agree with you for sure. You know, I, if you're thinking about that pick at 32, the edge rusher, and I see the offensive line as possibilities. That's where. I can't imagine right now if I had to guess picking a position that wasn't either of those two. But you never know who's going to be there on the board at that point in time. You never know where the runs are going to happen, especially at positions that are key positions like that. I mean, we talked about offensive line. The trick is not going to be whether they want to select one at 32. The trick is going to be, is somebody there worth selecting? Or do they feel like moving down is an option? Which, But you said they might not feel like they have enough roster spots. And and Jason, I was honest about that too. I thought it was – interesting that Jason was very clear the fact that this is not a very good defensive tackle class. Yeah. You've heard several GMs now around the league say that you've heard mm-hmm. anonymous sources, the NFL team scout or team executive or general manager, whatever it is, you know, anonymously say to people in the media, it's the worst defensive tackle class they've ever seen. Daniel right. Jeremiah said worst defensive tackle class he's ever seen. Yeah, I've said that bad. I've been doing it. What? Eight, year, really eight or nine bad. years. I mean, it's brutal. And uh, yeah. you know, most of the best players are third round grades to me. I, I think that's really where you're going to find the cream of your, uh, that's where you're going to find the talent in this class if you're drafting then. So mm-hmm. almost takes it off the table early. And then Jason said, they thought the defensive tackle class was so bad, Scott. It went into their decision to bring back Rakeem Nunes Roches and Steve McClendon, obviously in Dominican Sue as well. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah. Will Golson around. So this is clearly, and he said straight up, we feel comfortable with our group going into the season. doesn't mean they yeah. won't draft somebody at some point, but I now, after hearing him say that, I think I'd be surprised if it were the first three rounds. Definitely the first yeah. two rounds. I don't think you'll see a D-tackle to the Bucs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think you know if Levi Anzariki is there at 64, I think maybe they take a flyer on him in the second mm-hmm. round. But um, otherwise, you're looking probably like late day three, like, you know, like Kairos Tonga, you know, or – or someone like that, yeah, uh, Jason Marshall. Light, or... Yeah, he's Jonathan Marshall. Exactly. I mean, you've you've uh, you've seen Jason Light take defensive tackles late, whether mm-hmm. it was Khalil Davis last year, whether it was uh, Stevie Tuikolavatu, whether it was Terry Beckner Jr. Those were sixth and seventh round picks for the Buccaneers. So Jason's not opposed to taking uh, a defensive tackle late, and that could be the case. Right. Garrett wants to know where we think Joe Tryon will go. He's all over the map with him, first mm. round to third round. You might have to check back with us on Sunday. Actually, read the SR's Fab Five tomorrow. Oh, oh, or read that. Okay, yeah. there we go. You don't even have to I, wait. I talked to Jimmy Lake, a uh, mm-hmm. good friend of mine, head coach out of Washington, used to be the Bucks defensive backs coach. Known Jimmy a long time and um, got some good intel from Jimmy Lake about mm-hmm. – uh, Joe Tryon and also Levi Anzarike. So check yeah. out tomorrow's SR's Fab Five. If you're watching this on Thursday, it's Friday. Right. Think you'll go in the first round though, Garrett. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. Um, could the Bucks pick Trask at 32? You want to see us go ballistic on the live show? You want to see us no. go ballistic on the Don't live show, Scott? No. We'll go no. crazy on the live no. show if they take Trask at 32. Yeah, you know, I could almost, I could almost stomach the notion of of Kellen Mond at 32 before Trask, and and I like Trask. I've got nothing against Trask, but it just, I mean, he's limited athletically. Um, I, he's not, he's not the 32nd best player in in the in the draft and it would go against everything Jason and Bruce have been saying, which is take the best player available. He's right. not the best player available at 32 by any means. 
No, there's no chance they take him at 32. I don't want him to take him at all because I don't think Trask is very good, frankly. I've watched yeah. a lot more Rays recently, and I'm I'm not a big fan. I'd rather have Mond or Davis Mills, and I'm not really that big a fan of either of those guys too. Although, yes, I will never be able to fully quit Kellen Mond. Just is the way that it is. Long Lost Glazer says people are trying to compare Joe Tryon to Marcus Davenport from an athletic standpoint. Valid. I would have to look at their testing numbers to tell you that part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Joe Tryon is like kind of a kind of an unorthodox athlete right now. He's not necessarily smooth, but he yeah. is athletic in certain you know things that he does. I don't think he's like a polished athlete. So his athleticism kind of only appears in like glimpses here and there. It's mm-hmm. not like a prolong you can see like it's not very smooth it's not very refined in terms of functional movement at his position you know so yeah he's quick and he can change directions and i like that about him um i don't think he's an elite athlete but i think he's a good athlete and he has great size and teams love his mindset and his physicality you guys know i'm not the biggest joe tryon fan from his tape i i watch more games i've warmed up to him a little bit more i have a third round grade on him i'm probably only gonna have a I don't know, 13 first round grades, maybe Scott. And yeah. probably, and you're probably not alone. Second round grades. <laughs> you're probably not alone. <laughs> right. Uh, in that this year. And when I say that, I don't mean just draft next. I mean, NFL teams probably right. have about the same. It's not a great draft overall. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that, um, you know, when you're, when you're out there in the, the pack 12 and I know Tryon and Anzarike both opted out, but even the guys that that stayed in, it got such a late start, John. There was only what five games in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, mm-hmm. compared to a full slate of games in the SEC and the Big 12, it just there's more games to evaluate from guys in those conferences. And um, you know, uh, you know, we'll see where we're trying goes. It'll be interesting. Uh, he's a bit of a bull in the china shop. He's yep. he's a relentless guy. He plays hard, and he's pretty serious about football. So. Um, yeah, I know he's, some people that work in that conference, and they honestly they were they're kind of surprised though that that he you know other teams not not yeah. at Washington but other teams in that conference and they're they're definitely kind of surprised that he's rising up the way that he is. They get it from the physical athletic standpoint to a degree, yeah. but they never really saw him as that type of player in college. Now, granted, it's a year removed from the last time they had to deal with him, and, sure. and recency bias is a very and, real thing. Yeah, so. and, and even even the fact that the Tryon didn't really light it up until the second half of his sophomore season. He did have three multiple sack games. I think Utah, Washington State, and there was another game as well. But he did prove he could he could get sacks in, in bunches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you want to see from an elite pass rusher. It's not just, okay, well, can you get there once per game? But are you a, are you a guy that can kind of take over a game or or be constantly disruptive and make more than one play a game? Because – a sack as great as it is is just one play, and right. and uh, and th- this this is a guy that 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 I think the light bulb came on over the second half of his sophomore season, and the arrow was pointing up, and yeah. uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see that junior season because COVID nineteen. Right. Somebody, uh, Kevin says Elijah Moore. Those seg- we'll segue into our wide receiver talk now. Uh, yeah. Kevin says Elijah Moore wouldn't be a bad pick at thirty two. I kind of agree with that, even though I know we've talked about this at length already with the Bucks wide receiver prototypes. He would be definitely under kind of what we see for them. Mm-hmm. And when they select wide receivers, they typically are looking at size as one of their big factors. They're looking at speed. I mean, he has the speed. Yeah. He's not the biggest guy for sure. But at the same time, Scott, man, he's so talented and he's so good at getting open and he's got speed to be able to win deep. And I know he's not going to be the, the slot that they really want. So then the question really doesn't, doesn't it become – could Elijah Moore play outside? Obviously, Scotty Miller, a smaller receiver, yeah. who plays outside in the NFL. I know it's early in the draft, but 
we're throwing names out there, and we've talked a little bit about some of the guys that we think are most likely to the Bucks. If Elijah Moore's there. I mean, could this be one of the guys they might go outside of their prototype for? Is this a year where they could do that? They can do anything. We've we've discussed that, but I don't know if you want to though. This is a guy that's under six feet tall, that is fast, but he's kind of a Scotty Miller clone, and you already have that one type on on your team and Scotty Miller, and you have a hard enough time getting him reps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want a carbon copy of, of somebody else at the wide receiver position. And then is he going to help you on special teams? That, that's the other thing. Uh, where Justin Watson helps out, and, and Justin Watson is not going to be an, an offensive guy in this league and probably won't be in, in Tampa past this year. But he's six foot three, about 215 pounds, and he's fast and he's big and he makes tackles on special teams. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not going to play offense, um, but for a handful of plays, and if you're if you're on number four, five, or six on the depth chart at wide receiver, you gotta play on teams. And that's exactly what Tyler Johnson did last year. He was a factor in special teams. Same with Justin Watson. I don't see with his body size, Elijah Moore being a guy big enough to really run down there and cover kicks and punts. Yeah, he's it's that's is definitely a consideration. Or they carry more wideouts. I don't know. I mean, there's he's so good that I would consider him. But you're right. It's not like this seamless fit. You'd have to kind of I mean, he played 108 snaps out wide last year, you know, yeah. and he and he played most of his snaps in the slot. The year before, though, he had played almost every snap in the slot. So he moved closer to playing in more out wide. He got a good chunk of snaps out wide, obviously in a very competitive conference with a ton of tough corners. He produced for the last couple of years, you know, at a high level. He really, I mean, his ability to get open in almost every matchup all the time without great quarterback play to be able to be productive, to consistently make an impact. He has ball skills for a smaller guy that you don't always see. So I right. am a huge Elijah Moore fan. I don't think he's going to be a buck. I like him. I just don't I would like him in Tampa. Right. Know. I would consider him. His athletic testing elite, by the way, four three five forty. Yep. His shuttles and three cone were unreal. Not that that's even a, that mm-hmm. big of a deal, but vertical j- jump 36 inches. You know, he five nine one seventy eight though. I mean, at the end of the yep. day, he's not a big dude. There's no question right. about it. Does play big for sure. Play strong. He is about as tough as tough gets. He'll take a hit, hang mm-hmm. on to the football. I think the Bucks will love that about him. The question becomes, he just is he'd be a totally different type of player. Now, I'll say this, Scott. I don't think they're going to take him, even though I would consider him. I think if they if they were saying, yeah, we'll go away from our prototype, he is more likely to be a buck. He's Elijah Moore is more likely to be a buck than Kadarius Tony, or than um, than uh, I will even say Amari Rogers, or yeah. than Rondell Moore. Like I think all those guys. Yeah. I'm trying to think Tutu Atwell if you want to throw him in there, although he's probably mm-hmm. not even going to get drafted. But I, I, I know that Kadarius Tony's got some fans in the building. So he's got some fans, but I, I'm just know. willing to I'm willing to bet that Elijah yeah. Moore's just right. because of I the think way that number he 32, played. though, you know, and there's been some some questions about his medicals as of late, but Terrace Marshall, this is an interesting player. He was our Bucks best bet at wide receiver yeah. for uh for the early rounds. And and I think that he's probably a, a second round pick, but again, at number 32, you're getting a second round player, you know? So yeah. I, this, it was interesting because he was kind of the, the third fiddle at LSU during his sophomore year. Um, and, and obviously Jamar chase, you know, being uh, the, the dominant player at, at LSU, but this was a guy, you know, once chase was gone, once Justin Jefferson was gone, he really got the opportunity last year to kind of be the man at uh, the wide receiver position. Of course, he didn't have Joe Burrow throwing him the ball, 
but a 15.2 yard average, 48 catches, 731 yards, only played in seven games, and then opted out for the, the really the, the last part of the season at LSU. And he did it right before the, the Alabama game, which which really kind of ticked some scouts off because they yeah. really wanted to see him against Sertain and the Alabama defense. But 10 touchdowns last year in just seven games. And he had 13 touchdowns, John, the year prior to that. So Terrence Marshall, the thing that you have to like about him is, is he's got size. He's kind of been compared a little bit to Chris Godwin in the fact that he's uh, about 6'2", 205, runs a 4440. And, you know, he he brings a lot to the table. He's maybe not the the dominant blocker that Chris Godwin is right now. Definitely not. <laughs> but but Darius Marshall trying to block is hilarious right now. Yeah, but I, I, I think you know, a lot of blocking is want to. And and when you're a wide receiver at LSU, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're getting you're catching 10 touchdowns a season, you know, yeah. you, you kind of have a mindset of, well, I'm gonna catch the ball rather than block. Uh, but I, I think he's got the size to do that. And you see him run through tackles. He has a physical presence. Maybe he doesn't show up in the run game right now, yeah. but but he's certainly not shy about contact. He will run into, through, and, uh, uh, in, and around defenders with the, that combination of size and speed. So it, it, that might be an interesting guy at number 32. Yeah, I mean, the wide receiver. Definitely their prototype. You and I have agreed pretty easily that if they yeah. go wide receiver there and you're asking us, okay, who are they going to take? It, it'd be him. We are a little bit assuming Rashad Bateman will be off the board at this point in time. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll cut, touch on him in a second for people who haven't heard us talk about that scenario. But to me, the, the, the thing with Terrace Marshall, Scott, is all about development. Like yeah. I, I like him. I like him. Some people think he's like a top 20 lock in this class. Like That's the type of player mm-hmm. that he is. And maybe in this class, I don't know. He's a risk, though. I just, I think we just need to say he's a risk. Like he, yeah. he doesn't run really good routes right now. Um, very inconsistent in terms of timing and just when he gets out of his breaks. And he looks like he's kind of just running around being an athlete right now. His yeah. ball skills are good, but he and also he's an athlete. A lot of passes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he dropped yeah. what Pro Football Focus, who's pretty lenient on drops. They yeah. have him with seven drops and fifty-five catchable balls this past season. That's mm-hmm. not very good at all. So yeah. you have the reliableness, you know, that the polish getting off press, you know, he didn't really play on the outside much this past year, a year ago he did, but this past year he took Justin Jefferson's role, was used heavily in the slot. I like him for sure. I don't think he's as good as Elijah Moore. I recognize that their prototype for the Bucs, it may be just a different type of receiver completely. Mm -hmm. Definitely a good player, but it's very much going to depend on what team does with him moving forward. Is he ready for that type of a – is he ready for the NFL to be the profession for him basically, like putting in that kind of time technically? Yeah, that's definitely a good, um, you know. And then the injury way to describe it. Yeah, that yeah. I don't. You know, there was reports that his Daniel Jeremiah, I think, said it on his conference call yesterday that his injuries for people who don't know injuries he suffered leg injuries I think early in yeah. his college career and in high, late in high school. There's some red flags came up on those for teams at the medical rechecks and or I guess the medical checks and yeah. uh, in India or wherever they're doing it. <laughs> right, and, and and sometimes sometimes that you know you you have an injury that on the X-ray or on the MRI lo- looks like it may not be fully healed yet the player went out there and played and performed and, and that, that's mm-hmm. that's what causes teams to have to kind of weigh that a little bit. They they, they have to to really gauge the risk right and say yep. okay well is this gonna is this is he more likely to have this injury recur. Um, or do you look at it and say, well, he played through it and played fine and, and didn't miss any practices according to the coaches and just something he's dealt with. And, you know, it is what it is. So that's just something to maybe give some teams some pause. Um, right. But, uh, and, you know, another wide receiver that I like <clears throat> while we're talking about undersized fast guys that do have some injury concerns 
is is Marquez Stevenson. This guy right here. Okay, so we're going into day three now. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. we're just talking wide receivers in general. Right, right, right. You know? Okay. And, and 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 I think that that when you're looking at a guy that can help out in special teams, you're uh that that's a factor, a wide receiver. And if you're not gonna run down there and and cover kicks and punts, then it might be a thing where you know what, you should return them. And and I think Tampa Bay's return game could use some upgrading. Well, this is a player at Houston here who the last uh, two years, he returned three kickoffs for touchdowns and has limited punt return experience. Like he's got four punt returns, but the guy was a sensational kick returner at mm-hmm. Houston, averaging 26 yards per kick return, wow. averaged 36.3 yards per kick return last year on four returns, including a touchdown. He's got the speed and the acceleration to really uh, take the top off of a defense. And um, he didn't time, John, that was interesting. At his, at his Houston Pro Day, he didn't time. I know there were some people, myself included, that wanted to see him in that 4-3 range. And I tell you what, I don't care uh, what, you, you know, what you think of, of him um, skipping out on, on that 40-yard dash. The kid is 4-3 when it comes to the tape. I mean, it's, yeah, it's right. legit. He's an absolute burner. He averaged 15.4 yards per catch, um, had a 1,000-yard season. As a sophomore, nine touchdowns. The next year, nine touchdowns, 907 yards, averaged 17.4. Only played in five games last year, and you mentioned injuries, John. This guy has, has dealt with some injuries, mm-hmm. but when he's healthy and on the field, he's an absolute deep threat. He has got a second gear like any receiver I've, I've seen in this year's yep. class. He is fast. He's kind of the quintessential difference to me between like a guy who's fast, and maybe you could teach him to be like that vertical threat at receiver but they really like he didn't do it that much. I mean, honestly, you know, I think Pro Football Focus has him a 17, 20 plus yard catches over three years yeah. as a starter. So he's very fast, but it was, it was a lot of yards after the catch type of stuff. The other interesting thing about him is kind of goes back to what we talked about before. He's pretty much a slot only guy. You know, the last yeah. couple of years, I think the last two years, he's 64 snaps total in out wide. Right. I mean, total. So he is almost always in the slot too. So it would need to be, it would, like you said, it would be a special teams impact yeah. move first. Pretty much yeah. replacement of Jaden Mickens type. Right, of yeah. Move. Tampa Bay, we drafting him as a kick returner slash yeah. wide receiver. You know, and right. and, he, and then and then you're kind of getting that value. Okay, now we have another guy like Scotty Miller out there that can that can really you know run away from defenses, stretch the field vertically. Right, and in late in the draft, they're more likely to go away from the size prototype, so we don't get well, caught up in as much there. But yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I, we got a couple of big guys we can talk about here. Uh, That's true. At, at the wide receiver position, our day three guy. Is uh, is a player that that has a really cool nickname, Scary Terry, and Florida State fans are kind of split on on uh, on Tamarian uh, Terry because he listen. This is a player that didn't have a lot of of great quarterback play helping him out, right? I mean, <laughs> we can we can say that, right? I mean, and Mark's Mark, not going to watch Cook, the show, but Mark, Mark will understand. He'll completely understand. He'll he'll be the first one to say that Florida state's quarterback position since Jameis Winston left has really not been ideal to say the least, but listen, this kid comes at, with, with amazing uh, physical traits, um, oh, a, a big receiver really came out of the gate as a, as a freshman, 35 catches, 744 yards, eight touchdowns, John 21.3 yard average. Then the next year as a sophomore, 60 catches, 1,188 yards. His average fell all the way to 19.8, John. 
Uh, you hate to see it. Just under 20, yeah. <laughs> but nine touchdowns. Then last year, you know, um, did not have that that third great season that you kind of expected. He was limited to six games, had some injuries, 23 catches, 289 yards, one touchdown. Really kind of came back down to earth. But boy, that freshman and sophomore season, this kid uh, who is who's got some some freakish size to him, uh, really I, I think is 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 a player that that Tampa Bay might really consider. Uh, when you look at the fact he's 6'2", 207, very much like Terrace Marshall in terms of his size, but uh, that 4-4-4 speed, it shows up. And I think that that he's probably even a tick faster than Marshall once he, once he has the ball in his hands. He has that second gear. Uh, Marshall's fast right from the get-go, but this kid has got something extra mm-hmm. once he has his, his uh, mitts on the ball. Yeah, he's made some nice catches too in his career. Now, you know, he he can't stop and he can't start. Those are two those are two yes. big parts of playing he's wide receiver. Line guy. Exactly yeah. right. It, it, always limit what Tamori and Terry brings to the table to a degree. Now you are talking about a day three guy. So I'm I'm yeah. just laying it out there for fans, but we're talking about day three guys, people. So yeah. we're talking about guys that are gonna they're coming with limitations. That's yeah. what they're coming no, no, with. Yeah, they got, got to find roles for him. So I do think he's a, he's a fit for the prototype the Bucks look for. I do think it would be late in the draft, um, but definitely has some things that they typically tend to gravitate toward a receiver like that speed. And now the yeah. one thing I'll say that doesn't fit the prototype, I've talked about the prototype before, 6'1 to the 205, 210 range is typically what they look for, at least four fours in the 40-yard dash, right. depending on the weight. Like Mike Evans was like 230 pounds, so obviously yeah. when he ran a 4.53, right. I was okay. Um, and then the other thing they look for, though, is the vertical jump, 35. And everybody yes. they've drafted, I think that they drafted two play wide out, has had at least a 35 and a half inch vertical. Right. He was 33, which is in the 14th percentile for wide receivers. So yeah. we'll see. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm throwing it out there for people to think about um, a little bit uh, at that position. But uh, I do think there's definite tendency they could gravitate toward him on day three. I wanted to mention one guy we haven't really talked about, Scott. If I can. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about Amon Ross St. Brown at all from USC. Yeah, now, I, I don't know whether the team likes him or not. I'm not trying to make a case for Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a very unique player, in my opinion. I'm not super enthralled by him. I mm-hmm. do think he might be off in on the board sometime in that round three range for where the Bucks are picking. That's right. They, they drafted the Chris Godwin. Yeah, and, and even it'll be even later this year, right? Because yeah. you know, win mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and everything. But uh, he is interesting because he's a big slot right now. Like he yeah. plays a lot in the slot as a bigger player. Obviously, that's something that the Bucks do and like in their slots. He is kind of you know his family, right? Everybody knows about the St. Brown family. I think the EQ mm-hmm. plays for the uh, Packers and. Um, his dad was Mr. Universe, three Mr. World titles. He was bodybuilder. So like, you know, it comes from this family that's kind of well-known and he is kind of a, he's a, he's addicted to his craft kind of guy. Like he's yeah. just, he's driven. You, exactly right. He, he can run all the routes. He's technically sound. Um, I just, I think he's a very mediocre athlete. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that will be the, you know, the, he's a little bit under the buck size require what they like at the position yeah. a little bit, you know, five eleven, one ninety seven. But he t- tested well in certain areas, the 4 5 140. It's like all just, you know, right underneath where they typically go. Right. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's kind of a big slot type, I think. I, I don't know what he's going to, I mean, I don't think he's going to be Chris Godwin, but right. I think he'd be kind of in that range in the draft, that third round. So if, it, if they go offensive line and they go, or they go edge and want in some order in the first two picks, and they're sitting pretty at the third round and they're thinking about best player available. 
I could see there being some interest in him. Yeah. Maybe I'm not saying he'd be like, he's obviously not our Bucks best bet or anything. Right. But a name I thought we should throw out there that we haven't really talked about for the Bucks yet. I'm going to talk about one more guy, wide receiver. Then we're going to switch gears to, to tight end. This guy is just, he's a draft crush of mine. Um, and, and kind of reminds me a little bit of Josh Pearson that, um, that Jacksonville state undrafted free agent that, that they signed after the, the draft last year. And yeah, so maybe they, the Bucks don't have a need for this guy here, but uh, Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State. I mean, you watch the tape on this guy, and I had the unfortunate pleasure of watching uh, the Kansas State Arkansas State game live, uh, not in person, but on television. Arkansas State rolled into Manhattan and upset Kansas State uh, last year, and Jonathan Adams was a big reason why. Eight mm-hmm. catches, 98 yards, three touchdowns against my Wildcats. Now, we didn't have the best defense last year, but it didn't matter. This guy was an absolute game wrecker, caught the game-winning touchdown, and we had no answer for this guy all game long. And and you see there, he's he's a big-body guy. Uh, I believe his measurables are 6'2", 210, not the fleetest of foot, a four-five-four time in the forty-yard dash, but a thirty-nine-inch vertical. So, John, you're talking about guys that jump. This guy will win contested catches. He makes the highlight reel catches. He's a threat in the red zone. His production uh, is 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 phenomenal over the last two years. Yeah, sixty-two tied, catches, eight hundred and fifty-one yards. Way, Scott, tied for first with 15 20 plus yard catches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, a lot. He's a downfield threat, and he's not the guy that's gonna. You know, create separation and get open with his with his speed, but he'll create separation with his size. He'll outleap you. He'll out battle you for the ball. Um, he's he's got some thirty two inch arms. You know, not the longest in the world, but certainly will go up and get the ball. Sixty two catches, eight hundred and fifty one yards, five touchdowns in twenty nineteen and thirteen games last year. Ten games, seventy nine catches, one thousand one hundred and one yards, fourteen yard average, twelve touchdowns. And he missed the final game of the season with a hip injury. But this this kid, uh, what I like about him is you talk about special teams, John. You talk about that on on day three, and uh, th- this guy is an absolute beast when it comes to blocking downfield. There's not a better blocker at wide receiver than this guy. Right. And when I'm saying blocker, I don't mean just like get in, in front of a guy's way and and uh, you know create that convoy that escort down the sidelines. I'm talking about knocking guys on their ass repeatedly mm-hmm. and so if, if i'm looking for a day three wide receiver somebody to go down there and and cover kicks and uh and and cover punts uh or block um on on punt you know coverage yep. units or on, on i should say on punt uh, teams th- this is a guy to consider yeah I, I, I like jonathan adams a lot and, and because of that reason you mentioned we're talking about day three wide receivers so i like him because of what you mentioned more than i think tamori terry or marcus stevenson because i don't think any of those guys will ever develop into regular parts of your wide receiver rotation right. but with adams you have the potential for two things special teams contribution i think that you don't get with the other guys just like a justin watson or a tyler johnson correct yeah yep and and you roll roll situational football like as a mm-hmm. blocker certain situations get him out of the field you're near the end zone you right. know, you're throwing those bubble screens and you need a blocker with Chris, you know, get him on yeah. the field. And those jump exactly. balls in the end zone, you get him mm-hmm. on the field in those situations. You don't, he could be a decoy. He right. could be isolated. And, and you know what? <laughs> He's got the physicality. You put him right. in the slot and he plays the Chris Godwin role. He will be yeah. your inline blocker, uh, your blocker at the point of attack from the slot. He'll be 
your your motion uh, guy across the formation into the hole. He can right. do those things. And so, so he, I, yeah, so he gives you a little something. If people are injured, you can at least get a little package of plays yeah. around what he can give you on offense. So I like him for those two reasons. One thing I'll say about him. He can't stop and he can't turn. He can start. Right. He can get off the line of scrimmage. He can't stop and he can't turn. I mean, he just can't yeah. run routes at all. So yeah. I wouldn't even make him. I wouldn't even try. Like, I mean, not that I would try, but you know, he just he is what he is. I, yeah. He's not his athletic testing definitely killed yeah, he's, my soul. He's he's not a fluid athlete. He, yeah. He's a good jumper. He's he's yeah. got a good. Vertical oh, he's great jump. Thirty nine inch yeah. vertical. Yeah, he yeah. can go up and get it. And he's got the long arms. I mean, yeah. no question. But yeah, his four five nine forty definitely right. hurt my soul a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> his, well, his agility's were rough too. But and now the interesting thing is we're going to transition because we this is the wide receiver tight end preview, John. Mm-hmm. And, and you and, use the wide receiver tight end guy. I know How about that. Great foresight. Yeah, so we'll talk about Jacob Harris from UCF in just a second, right? But but uh, let's let's get to our our Bucks best bet for the the opening round, and this is a guy that I'm I'm late on. This is Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. John, tell us about Tommy Tremble. Yeah, I don't even. I wrote today on Twitter that Tommy Tremble's tight end too, and everybody's like, "Wow, you really like him?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I mean, yeah, but." I just I just can't stand any of the other tight ends in the class. Yeah, it's it's not a, not a top He's, heavy class by any means. Yeah, not like a great player or anything. But what I like about him is his athletic upside here a little bit. He competes at a high level. I think he's intelligent uh, as a blocker. He finds his targets on the move. He latches. He finishes. He's very tough and physical. He can block already. He does block in line. He, I think he's probably better on the move uh, than he is in line. He is small for a tight end for sure. I think was he six three two forty one something like that. Yeah. Um, but he is a good blocker in space. I see him, you know, again, for the Bucs, I think what he, it's interesting to him is he can line up in the backfield. They don't use a fullback, right? So right. their tight ends play H-back. You know, it's, uh, we've seen Tanner Hudson do it. Obviously, Cam Bray does it. Neither of those guys are very good at it, but that's what they that's what they do with them sometimes. Right. Uh, blocking on the move is a big part of playing tight end in the Bucs offense. Almost all their, your base blocking. The, one right. of the reasons why the Bucs offense is so tough for tight ends is your base blocking a lot, a defensive end. Then, oh, by the way, you've got to come across the formation as a split mm-hmm. zone. Or you've got to step into the backfield and be a lead blocker, or you've got to go into pass protection and block. Yeah. So they won't consider people. I don't think if they can block in the draft. Right. I really don't think they'll they'll look that much at tight ends. Yeah. So and this guy loves to block, John. Yeah. He loves it. I mean, he only had four touchdown catches at Notre Dame. It all came in 2019. He had 16 catches for 183 yards. I don't think he complained a bit. Uh, last year, 19 catches, 218 yards, no touchdowns. But he just loves to block. He and when he I mean, it's it's a one-on-one situation for him. I mean, it, I know football is a team sport, but man, when he gets locked on to whoever his target is, you know, whether it's a cornerback or a safety on the perimeter or a linebacker at the second level or a defensive end that he's trapping, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's game over. This guy will absolutely put you on your ass, and and I, I I've really grown to appreciate his game. Interesting thing is, he's a redshirt sophomore in the size, John, six three. 241. But you talk about special teams. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. This guy will be an absolute special teams demon as a rookie. Right. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. And the other thing that is, you know, people, a lot of Bucks fans, I think, have asked, what about Pat Frymuth or Frymuth? Frymuth? Why hasn't he been mentioned uh, as the Bucks guy? And because there was talk even at the early on in this process, maybe it was before Gronkowski resigned. I can't remember. And when people mm-hmm. thought they might lose Cam Brait, yeah. whether he could be their first round pick. I, I mean, I watched like six. I'm going to be honest. I just don't get the allure with Pat Fryermuth. I don't yeah. even have him in the first three either. rounds. I mean, he he can block for sure. There's no question. I, I don't think he's a great blocker, but he, he can block. I mean, so he'll play. Right. But 
what does he do that's special? I mean, he's made some tough catches, certainly, but he's dropped a ton of passes. He's not fast at all. He doesn't create separation, not a very good route runner or, or not a very explosive route runner. Right. Um, so I'm just like, man, and he doesn't do anything after the catch. I, he just looks like a normal – I just think some of these guys, like we, one announcer throws a baby Gronk label on you and you, you're suddenly a guy. Yeah. Like he didn't even produce that much. But, but how much of that was him just wearing number 87, you know? that's and Exactly, thing. being big and white. I mean, there's really like <laughs> right. that's what they're going off of. That really is. And so I think that stigma just carries his stock right. I don't see anything yeah. special or unique about his game. He just looks like a – if he's a low end starter or a, or a tight end two for you, great. But the, the the reputation he has right now that he could go even have a chance of going to the first round, it's crazy to me. Now Hayden Hurst went in the first round. We've had yeah. some bad tight ends go in the first round. Um, still a mistake, obviously. But I'm not saying he can't. He won't right. go in the first round. I just think there's. I think whoever takes him, he didn't even run. He's hurt. He's not yeah. even healthy. I don't. That's right. I don't understand the allure at all there, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. And. And I, I think too, you know, some other other tight ends uh, that might be considered, and I don't see the Buccaneers really taking one before round three. And I think that that Tremble, you know, if he's there in round three, that that might be the selection. But I, I really think they're looking at some day three guys. And again, the tight end position looks great right now. I mean, things can change quickly. Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. you know, thirty two next year. You look at, at OJ Howard. Can he stay healthy? Is he is he worth investing uh, a, a multi year contract in? Um, you know, he's on the fifth year option right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's got all the potential in the world, but he hasn't put it all together. Cam Brate, you know, will be 30 this summer and carries a, a high price tag. Tanner Hudson really hasn't developed. So I, I, I think that, that they could be looking down the road at tight end and there, there could be a couple of day three guys that are really interesting. Let's, let's talk about, um, our, our bucks best bet for day three. It's, it's this guy right here, Jacob Harris. Yeah. Wow. I mean, is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? John, he's 6'5", 219. Um, he is a willing blocker. The UCF coaches rave about his ability to block. Um, he gets the job done despite the lack of size. Now, at the collegiate level, going against the Cincinnati's and the Houston's and stuff, that's one thing. Going against Cam Jordan right in New Orleans then, <laughs> at 219 pounds, that's something else. That's a big challenge. But the interesting <laughs> thing is, yeah, you're right. It is. But the interesting thing about this kid is it just the, the, the measurables are off the charts. The production, catching the ball is off the charts. This is a Palm Harbor native that, uh, that that's a little bit older, right? He's 24 years old. And, you know, he he ran a, a blazing time in the 40-yard dash, 439. Some scouts, a 404 flat, jumped out of the gym, a 40 and a half inch vertical, an 11 1 broad jump, and again, six foot five, 29 or 219 pounds. He's actually the same size, actually, probably a little bit lighter than Mike Evans was coming out of Texas AM. Mm. And he is a whole tenth of a second faster. Uh, Evans was a four five. Well, pro day time. Uh, true, pro day. Yeah. <laughs> pro day time. Still, I, he's, I think he's faster than, than Mike Evans. Yeah. And so yeah. is, is he a big wide receiver? You can see the leaping ability in his picture right here. Um, and let's just talk about the production. Then I'll let you get into the, the hard dive on him. 19 catches, 448 yards, a 23.6 yard average with one touchdown for the, the Knights in 2019. Then last year, 30 catches, 539 yards. That's an 18 yard average and eight touchdowns. He destroyed USF with three touchdowns and 110 yards on a couple of catches. 
So this guy's got a 20.1 yard average. And we know that Bruce Arians loves the vertical aspect, right? Uh, we know that that he loves guys that can get down the field and, and stretch the defense. And this is an interesting cat, John. Yeah, for sure. I'd love him as a day three pick. I mean, there's a ceiling there that the other guys don't have. We talked about that yeah. with Terry and Stevenson and those guys. I will say this. I think we totally – I'm fully in support of us cheating on this, but we definitely cheated on the Bucks' best vet, and I'm glad that we did. Jacob yeah. Paris will be a wide receiver for wide the Bucs. Yeah. yeah, because of what that offense asks their tight ends to do. Uh, but, I, yeah, he's he's a lot of what they look for. He really is. I mean, in mm-hmm. terms of – character the way they talk about him the way they talk about his commitment to the special craft and, teams too he's a yeah. special teams ace for them had seven tackles on special teams this past year yep so that's he, he, it's he'll exactly, do the dirty work right it's exact type of player that they would target type of receiver that they would target in terms of skill set and athletic ability yep. um I, paris ever becomes like a stud wide receiver for this team or plays you know 15 20 snaps a game yep. even but the special teams impact, the blocking impact again, and there's upside there that, like I said, I don't think the other guys have much chance of being ever right. like a full time. We don't know. Jacob Paris yeah. has barely played football. He was a soccer player. Like he's this right. crazy athlete. There's a little bit of Darren Waller to him. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know, I'm not. I'm not saying he is. Hey, we're we're talking about Jonathan Adams down there in the red zone package. Yeah. This guy opposite. You know, Mike Heck Evans yeah. with Chris Godwin in the slot. Right. I mean, you know, so you know. whoever takes this guy on day three, whatever team. Everybody's yeah. going to be excited about it. I, yeah. I, it doesn't mean it'll be good. I mean, but he, right. I think he'll at least contribute. If he yeah. was I, just an athlete, right. I would be more against it. The fact that he will block, the fact that he loves the game, that he just works his tail teams. off, and he loves yeah. special teams, that's big. I mean, that's yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he goes round four because of those things. I, I agree. I agree. And the Bucks are the kind of team, by the way, Scott, that can take the, liber- the luxury of taking right. him round four and develop. That's right. A couple other interesting you know, tight ends. There's there's this this cat right here, Hunter Long. He's more of the classic Y tight end. He's got size at uh, six five. Um, let's see, six five, two hundred and fifty one pounds. So he's he he's a bigger guy that that can do that inline blocking that Jacob Long couldn't do. Uh, and there's there's production there too. I mean, listen, he caught passes from one of my favorite quarterbacks, John Phil Jerkovic. I call him the jerk, right? <laughs> Boston College's Phil Jerkovic. Future buck great. Future buck great, yeah, right? I mean, you're talking 28 catches, 509 yards. It's an 18.2-yard average. Wow. Led Boston College in receiving yards, and uh, and that was in 2019. Caught two touchdowns. And then a little bit more of a marked man last year. The 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 stretch the field wasn't so much there with, with the 12.0 average. Uh, 57 catches, though, 685 yards. He was the main weapon there. Uh, for the the Golden Eagles, five touchdowns. He's a player that the Johnny's averaged just under 15 yards per catch in his career with nine touchdowns. So he can do it all from red zone to stretching the field a little bit on those vertical routes down the middle. And he's also got the size to be an inline blocker. And you know that's not Cameron Brate's forte. That's not Tanner Hudson's forte. It's a big reason why they wanted to get Gronkowski, John. Not just because he's Gronk catching the ball and Gronk spike. It's also because this guy. Can can be a factor when it comes to to blocking. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, very well rounded. I'll put it that way. If you're in the third round range, and I mean, he's definitely somebody that's on your radar in the third and fourth rounds. I think if nobody's taking him, and so I, again, I I tend to think the Bucks are not going to prioritize tight end. I, I, I you agree. know, we might see a Looking Tremble type. Three. Yep. Right. We may see a Jacob Harris type late in the draft. I know there's some guys you want to bring up, maybe talk about a little bit too that they could target, but I tend to think. 
Gronkowski or OJ Howard or maybe both, depending on what kind of year it is, will be back for at least one more year next year. So we'll see kind of what they do with that position. But I, I, you know, if Hunter Long is the kind of guy that you could bring in and he could do some things for you, I actually am, I'm going to finish his tape study this weekend, I think, Mm -hmm. to get kind of a better feel for him because I've only seen a little bit here and there. But he is like across the board, just kind of average. Yeah. And that was at the college level. And so, yeah. you know, I don't know what he, Eddie, Eddie, what's yeah. his thing, right? What's yeah. his thing? So you guys got to take him in the right round. Right. Okay. Well, if we're talking about things, like let's talk about Kenny Yaboa. He's another mm-hmm. draft crush of mine from Ole Miss. Right. And boy, he did. He love when, uh, uh, when Lane Kiffin got, got the town, right. Because uh, this, this was a guy that, that played at temple. So keep that in mind. This was a temple guy up until last year mm-hmm. when he was a grad transfer to Ole Miss so he's probably been on Bruce Arians' radar for some time. The thing about Yaboa that's interesting is he's not physically overwhelming in terms of his size, 6'3", just under 6'4", 250. But, man, this kid's got some wheels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he didn't run uh, a, you know, a blazing time. Actually, he strained his hamstring on his 40-yard dash. So, But you look at the tape and you look at, at, the, at the stat sheet on this kid, he averaged 19.4 yards per catch at Ole Miss in his lone season there playing for for Kiffin. Six touchdowns, 27 catches, 524 yards. And he was a pretty good producer at Temple, too. 12.3-yard average, 233 yards, five touchdowns the year prior. So, uh, you know, he's he's definitely a player that can help you stretch the field a little bit and get vertical, and that's that's one thing that that um, Bruce Arians likes, the last tight end. That I'll uh, I'll talk about is is Briley Moore, you know, a guy that I ah, I watched go. at K State a little bit, you know, but he's not really a true K Stater, John. He went to Northern Iowa with ah. my guy Ellerson Smith and um, and Spencer Brown, the big tight ends. So and Northern Iowa really has a chance to put a couple of guys into the the draft this year. Uh, thing about Briley Moore in his his one year at K State, he he did get hurt, uh, but he was still a, a big time producer in the passing game. Uh, only played nine games, 22 catches, 338 yards, a 15.4-yard average, and three touchdowns. And you go back at his in northern Iowa, uh, his last season there, 39 catches, 536 yards, four touchdowns, had a, a 32-yard touchdown uh, against Iowa, um, playing against some better competition there. Um, he's a player that, you know, seventh round, you're looking for a guy that can come in. He's got decent size. About 6'3", 250 pounds, uh, can help you on special teams. He's a hard worker. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all, John, if if in the last two rounds they end up taking a tight end, uh, if it's not Jacob Harris a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, it's uh, he is kind of a guy that I was asking you about just the other day at Bradley Moore, and I was yeah. like, hey, this Kansas State guy, we haven't talked about him at all. What's going on? And yeah, actually, I'm not going to get in the table for him. You know, I'm I'm not lobbying yeah. for him. That's what I was going to say. Would it's, I mind seeing another Wildcat in in uh, in Tampa Bay? Bay? It has to be the right one. It's, How many I are there want, now? Uh, none, none right none, now. I was going to say, yeah. and there was a time where they they've there had a lot time. Of yeah, we had uh, we had. Let's see. Brandon? I was just telling this with Mark Cook the other day. Uh, when I first got to to Tampa, Elijah Alexander and uh, Roderick Green, who I went to K State with, those guys were down here. And then you had uh, Martin Gramatica and mm-hmm. Darnell McDonald, the wide receiver, get yep. drafted by the Bucks in '99. I actually forgot about uh, Aaron Lockett. Uh, oh yeah, they, they call him the Rocket. Kevin's cousin. Like, cousin. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So Aaron Lockett, uh, Kevin's cousin. That would be uh, Tyler's, Tyler's uncle. Uncle, right? Tyler's uncle. 
And, um, and, and then, then you had, uh, of course, Josh Freeman. We all remember Josh Freeman. Uh, so there's, there's, been, there's been a couple of yeah. K-Staters, uh, not, not a stellar group outside of Grammatica, really. Well, um, it's funny because you were kind of like, I don't know about Bradley Moore. I mean, like he's fine. Like, yeah, made it. I mean, but I, then I looked I'm, at some of the I, Dane Brugler and PFF. They both think like he should be drafted. Like, I mean, round, tight, yeah. like uh, yeah. uh, Bradley Moore, PFF has him fifth round grade. They gave mm-hmm. him. They like him. They say animal yeah. in the run game thrives in he the is. trenches. He okay. is. He's, that, he's good. That's a he's good. that's a potential buck. I mean, right? listen, like, I, I'm not going to be opposed to them drafting Bradley Moore. I'm, I'm not. Okay. But. For the guy that you, I'm going to stand on the table for Bradley Moore. I've okay. got one snap of him play football. I haven't seen All right. one snap. <laughs> You'll be our honorary Wildcat on the on the program, John. Did you see his pro day? Yeah, he had a good he, pro day, right? He had, he had a 4 6 4 40, 38 yeah. inch vertical. He's a good athlete. 23 yeah. inch broad, 90th percentile broad, and 91st vertical. Yeah. 26 reps on the bench, ran a 4 6 4. Yep. 250 pounds. I'm yeah, drafting him. I, I don't even I don't, need to see I, just, I don't want to be a Wildcat shill. That's the whole thing. There's been other players that I've liked from Kansas State that I've I've lobbied for. I know. Tyler Lockett was one of them, right? Listen, I'll, car- I'm not, I'll carry this mantle for you. Okay. I'm going to watch right, him. Yeah. I'm going to watch him. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not upset that they drafted Ali Marpet uh, instead of, of Tyler Lockett, but it was down to those two guys and, and, uh, and they made the right choice and, and Marpet, but, Tyler Lockett's had a really good career out there yeah. in Seattle. So that's true. Go back and change our Bucks best bets though to uh, Bradley Moore. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we, we had a great time last night at the Mill. It was great seeing yeah. our friends from Celsius there, uh, Matt and Elliot. Um, that, that was fun. It was great uh, meeting Jenna Miller, uh, Scotty's uh, new bride. That was that was awesome. It was also great to to meet Briar Greaves, John, because. Yes. Uh, I've talked with Briar on the phone. Every time I, I've, I've emailed him, I get an email back instantly from Briar or Sam because that's the kind of customer service that uh, that Briar Greaves will give you. And of course, what I'm talking about is BriarGreavesInsurance.com. That's the place to go if you need commercial uh, property insurance, if you need homeowners insurance, boaters insurance, life insurance, automobile insurance. Only one place to turn: Briar Greaves. And listen, there's there's been rate increases in the state of Florida. Why? Because of all of those natural disasters and floods and fires and stuff. It's really kind of wrecked the the insurance industry with all those calamities and catastrophes. Briar Greaves will make sure that you're getting the best rate possible and that you get the proper amount of insurance, which I didn't have until I went to Briar Greaves. So the folks at Briar Greaves, big Bucks fans, big sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. So you know, do what I did. Give them your business. At least give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. And let them shop your policy and see if they can get you the best rate possible. Visit BriarGreavesInsurance.com. Yep, Briar Greaves is where you go for insurance, Scott. And Locker Room is where you go for when you want to experience the changing way. place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. I think tonight, if they if they step up, Taylor and Matt are supposed to be having a show on Locker There we tonight. go. They're supposed to be talking. So uh, definitely jump in there if you get the invite. But if, you don't, if you're not on there, get download Locker Room, follow Peter Report, and we jump on there. We have every Tuesday night I'm on there, and we have some great conversations. We just said – 
awesome conversations. X's and O's stuff. We talk about player usage. It's, it's intricate. It's detailed. And, and I'm not going to lie. I'll share some tidbits that I don't share on the podcast. Even That's right. That's inside locker information. That's only right. in locker room. Yep, exactly. It's for the for the diehard. So if you want to join that diehard group, definitely download locker room and and uh, jump into a uh, follow Peter report and uh, jump into those conversations. You'll get the invites when we go live. So great stuff on the show. The Briley Moore fan club has grown by two, two myself and alien yeah. Mastodon is are, are now in the Briley Moore fan club. We'll get you there. Scott right. or Trevon name there too, right? Yeah, Trevon Trevon, we've talked about him. We throw, you know, big and vertical yeah. guy again. Trevon though. was actually in our first mock draft, John. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, our, our final mock draft is coming out on um on sunday yes our final sunday. buck seven yeah. round mock draft will come out on sunday yeah. i'll have my fi- my big board my first round grades my big board will not be as big as it is in past years just the way yeah. that it is this year um and then uh, well, i will have my last my final 32 team mock draft well i guess 2017 or however many right. pick in the first round um mock draft will come out uh next week as well i think on on wednesday maybe before the draft on thursday and then don't forget we'll be live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern next and week. Our then, special draft shows yes, our Thursday, special, Friday, yeah. and Saturday, where you get yeah. more than just an hour of myself and, and John Ledyard. Now, the, the interesting thing is, if you missed the first part of the show, you missed this contest. We're going to tell you about it again. Win an autographed Scotty Miller football and a one-month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. Celsius has got one grand prize winner that's going to get both of those, but they've got nine other winners that can get that one month supply of your favorite Celsius flavor. Really simple. Subscribe to Peter Report TV on YouTube. Follow Celsius Official on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Follow Scotty Miller. That's at Miller Time, three underscores, then number 10 on Twitter or Instagram. Once you've done those three things, screenshot those, give us an image proof of your subscription and those follows, and submit all of those images plus your name and email address, to celsius.com backslash Peter. You'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a one-month supply of Celsius. And maybe if you're the grand prize winner, John, you get that Scotty Miller autographed football too. Yeah, well, Contest will end that. May 1st. So you, you've got a limited time to do this. It's really quick and easy. Help us build our social media following for those great uh, folks at Celsius and Scotty Miller and also help get our subscriber numbers up at Peter Report. We're over 4,000 right now, thanks to you guys. Right. Want to remind people, too, real quick before you wrap up the show about our friends over at Playbook Products. Right now, you can get 10% off with the promo code SCOTTY. If you saw Scotty. yesterday's show, you saw that we presented Scotty with the wall art. That's Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-Y, by the way. Yep. You can get 10% off if you go over to Playbook Products. So make sure you check out their stuff. You can get Gronkowski's touchdown against the Chiefs, Scotty's touchdown before the half, which we presented him with some really cool wall art as oh. a courtesy gift from Playbook Mrs. Products. Mrs. Miller loved yesterday. that. Yes, she did. She loved it. It was so funny. After we brought I brought it out, carried it out to the deck area after the show, Scott, and, mm-hmm. and, and Jenna saw it, and she was like, Oh, she was like, "Can I take a picture of that? That's so cool." I was like, "No, it's it's yours." <laughs> it's yours. Like, yeah. This we just gave this to Scotty on the show. Like, it's yours. Yeah. And she was, I think, she was more excited than he was, honestly. And he was pretty yeah. excited. So it was really cool. So yeah, check out Playbook Products. Ten percent off their products right now. Great gifts, great stuff for your man or woman cave uh, for sure. Uh, just to add to the fan ensemble of your favorite team. More than just bucks. More than just football. Yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff going on over there. So check them out for sure. All John, right, Scott. What, 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 a, what a great week, man. We had a great week right. of, of Bucks coverage here on the Peter Report podcast. And we're going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week. Get ready <laughs> for the marathon uh, of Scott and John breaking down all of the Bucks draft 
news when it happens and previews before it happens. Yep, absolutely. Going to be a great time. As always, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.